Well, it's great to have each and every one of you here with us today. Uh, if you are a guest with us, uh, my name is Kevin. I serve as the lead pastor here. And this is week two of a series that we started last week called The Blessed Life. The Blessed Life. And last week, we uh, kind of challenged one another with the simple question of who would like to be more blessed? And maybe just kind of to get us back into the mood on this topic, who would like to be more blessed? Show of hands. I'm really just doing this to make sure you're awake this morning, okay? Who would like to be more blessed, right? And we live in a culture that encourages that. Just watch TV, watch the commercials and the cars and the clothes and the cologne and all of these different things that we can have in order to bless our lives, right? But we saw last week that there's actually a difference between what culture says it means to be blessed and what the Bible says when it means to be blessed, And if you and I truly want to live the blessed life as followers of Jesus, it starts with having a heart of generosity. The blessed life, the key to the blessed life is a heart of generosity. Now, throughout the four weeks of this series, I'm going to be blunt, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to be transparent, and above all, I want to be biblical, (laughs) And so I'm going to just kind of remind you, just a, I have like two ground rules, okay, for this series for the next four weeks. The first ground rule is this. If you're watching this online or you're here in this room physically and you are not a Christian, off the hook. Off the hook. Anything I say, I'm not talking to you. You can just let this fly right over your head. You can doodle. You can do whatever you want. Not talking to you. But if you are a Christian, I am speaking directly to you, and I want to do this in such a way that we're biblical, but do it in such a way because we're talking about something incredibly sensitive. We're talking about money. And I am a big believer that it is important for the church to talk about money because Jesus talks about money. Just because it's uncomfortable for us, just because eh, we don't like it, doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about it. Jesus talks about sex, he talks about hell, he talks about sin, he talks about money. So we've got to have the courage to talk about those topics as well. Now, when I know what happens. I know it. I've been in ministry for a long time. When we talk about money, something happens in our hearts. As followers of Jesus, something happens, and we start to go, Oh, that church just wants my money. And it happens. Even to the Christian who's been in church for 60 years, it just somehow happens. So if you feel your heart is going that way, don't give. Don't give. If you feel that your heart is going that way because you have heart work to do. And that's what I want this series to do. We're looking at what the Bible says about this so you and I can work on our hearts because if we truly want to be living a life that God is blessing, Scripture shows us that it starts with a heart of generosity. So today what we're going to do is we're the, kind of the topic that I want to cover today is called test. And I'm going to be asking a whole bunch of questions throughout this series because we're going to be doing a test together today on this topic of living a blessed life. So the first question, and I want you to be honest, and we're going to raise our hands, we're all friends here. First question is this on the blessed test. Are you blessed? Show of hands. If you think, yeah, I'm blessed, 
show of hands. Okay, a lot of hands going up. And if you're watching this online, just click the like button under our video. Just And then I'll check it later. And I'll follow up with you later. Just click that thumbs up. You're blessed. Yeah, okay. You can do it that way. Right? So you're blessed. Now, here's how you and I, maybe you're sitting there going, well, you know, things with money is tight. And I may, you know, maybe you're sitting there going, I'm not blessed, you know, when it comes to the topic of money. Right? Do you know that half of the world, over 3 billion human beings, live on less than $2 a day? Now, let me ask again, are you blessed? Three billion people, less than $2 a day. We're blessed, right? And as people, as Christians living in Canada, that's some good news. That is great news. Even for those of us in Canada that are the worst off, we're still not as bad as the three billion other people on the planet. We're so blessed. That is good news. Well, here's the bad news. Of our country. In 2012, in 2012, only 22.3% of people who filed an income tax return gave money to charity. 22.3% of people who filled out their tax return gave money to charity. And we actually know that that number has consistently gone down every year since. In fact, it has gone down every single year since 2005 here in Canada. The difference between giving to charity in 2005 and 2012 amounts to $2.9 billion. $2.9 billion that we as Canadians used to give to charity in 2005 that has suddenly disappeared from the work happening in amazing charities in our country. Here's a little bit of a quiz on the blessed test. Do you know which province in Canada is the most generous? Shout it out. What do you think? Newfoundland? Newfoundland? Okay, Newfoundland's God's country, but I'll push it, you know? It's like, okay. Manitoba. Man, really? Manitoba. Like, what's in Manitoba? I have no idea. Man, I've been to Manitoba once. It's cold. That's all I remember of Manitoba. Boring and cold. Those are the two things. But they're generous. They're the most generous people in Canada. Do you know who the least, the least generous province in Canada is? Ontario. Well, that was fast. No. <laughs> Quebec. <laughs> la belle province. On est bien cheap à la belle province. <laughs> and I can say that because I'm a Quebecer. Okay. Guess which province had the largest percentage drop in charitable giving in the last five years? Ontario. The richest province in our country with the most educated, the most well-to-do, the most well-off, the highest incomes can be found of people and families living in Ontario, and we have had the hugest drop in giving. <laughs> who, is the, who do you think the group of people in our country who are the most generous percentage-wise? People who make less than $20,000 a year. In Canada, the poorer people are, 
the more generous, percentage-wise, they are. So are we blessed? We're blessed. We're just not very generous. (laughs) That's bad news. That's bad news because the words of Jesus himself is as followers of Jesus, if you are trying to pursue a blessed life, and the blessed life means that the favor of God is on you and your family, Jesus says this, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And we, I firmly believe as followers of Jesus, we are in danger of allowing culture to dictate what it means to be blessed instead of allowing the Bible to dictate what it means to be blessed because we are blessed abundantly in this country. Good news. But bad news is we are becoming increasingly and increasingly less generous as followers of Christ in our culture today. So we have to look at what the Bible says. So I'm going to start with a story that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 16. And if you have a Bible with you today, I'm going to be jumping all over the Bible today. It's going to be hard. If you're, hopefully you're a Bible expert, and you can jump around and find all the passages that we're going to look at. Or you can download the church app, and you can follow the sermon outline that way as well. Okay? And you can see all the text, or you can follow along on the screen. The Luke chapter 16, Jesus tells a story about a manager who is being very dishonest with how he has been dealing with his master's possessions. Right, the master is this rich master. He has greatly blessed his land and his servants and everything that he touches. And he puts this manager in charge. And the manager ends up that he's really dishonest with how he's managing things. And he hears that the master is going to come back. And basically, he, he wants to make sure, how's everything doing? How have you done with everything that I've blessed you with? And he's not done a good job with it. He's not done a good job at all. So what he has to do is start going around and he's kind of trying to collect from people and saying, okay, well, you've got a $500,000 debt. Eh, let's just say it's 10000 He's kind of playing with the books to make it look like, well, things aren't as bad as what he's actually allowed them to become. And then Jesus says this in Luke 16, verses 10 and 11. He says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And when Jesus talks about true riches, he talks about this again and again, this idea of your treasures in heaven. He's not talking about money. But he's talking directly, there's a parallel between how we handle our money here on earth has a direct correlation to what is going on in the spiritual realm. And that's the blessed test that you and I have to challenge ourselves with and ask ourselves difficult questions. Are, Are we trustworthy with a little? With the little things that God has given us in this world, are we trustworthy with these things? so that we can be even more trustworthy with the greater things that are of more importance to God. Spiritual things, true riches, is what Jesus wants to give to his followers. What do we do with what we have been blessed with? Right? But the manager 
in Jesus' story is doing is he is trying to use money to fulfill things that only God can fulfill. He's trying to use money for security, for freedom, for power, and for significance. Let me say those again if you're writing them down. (laughs) Security, freedom, power, and significance. The manager is using money for those things, but the reality is only God can provide those things. In our world today, it's no different. We are still trying to use our money to have security, to have freedom, to have power, and to have significance. So part of the blessed test, the next question, I'm not going to make you raise your hand for this one. This is something that you've got to ponder in your own heart this morning, just like I have to ponder in my own heart each and every day, is will you love and trust money or will you love and trust God? Will you love and trust money or will you love and trust God? Because here's the funny thing, (laughs) and it's probably not even all that funny. I think God just knows. God knows our hearts. God knows the human condition. God knows that we as human beings, we love to have security. We love to have freedom. We love to have power. We love to have significance. And God knows that his number one competitor is going to be money. Because it's a false God. It's a false thing that allows us to think that money will provide this. And here's the crazy thing. There's a little bit of truth in that. Like if you just think about a difficult situation that you've gone through, or your family has gone through. Aren't there times in life where just a little bit more money would have helped? Okay, you can raise your hand on that one. Like, there are. There's times in life where, you know, just a little bit more money would help. Like, when Danielle lost her teaching job last February, it was like, oh, like we had to readjust all of our budgets. We had to readjust where our spending was. And we're looking at this, and it's like, and, and Danielle just had this impression up from God that, She's supposed to let that go, and God's going to take care of everything, and we don't need to worry about that. And I'm like, I'm so glad God told you that, because he's not told me that. (laughs) Okay, and I'm looking at the budget, and I'm looking at the numbers, and I'm like, you know, babe, a little part-time job would be kind of (laughs) nice. You know, I thought Walmart's hiring, and, (laughs) you know, and we look at just a little bit of money would, would help. But we have to check our hearts are we turning to money are we going to love and trust money or are we going to love and trust god because money is a counterfeit god look at what jesus says in matthew chapter 6 jesus says no one can serve two masters either you will hate the one and love the other or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other you cannot serve both god and money And in the Old Testament, there's a great verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10, where it says, Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. When that's where your heart is, that I love the freedom, I love the security, I love the power, I love the significance that this money can bring, you will never, ever, ever have enough. You will never be satisfied, and you will never break free from that love of money. 
Because I believe that God wants more for us as followers of Jesus, especially in our world that we live in today. I believe God has so much more for the church in our city and around the world, but it's going to start with that heart of generosity. And so today, I'm going to kind of the big idea that I'm going to spend the rest of our time focusing on is this. And again, write this down because you're going to have some great conversation in your life groups this week talking about money. I know what's going to happen. Half of you aren't going to show up to your life group this week. Okay? That's what happened. We're talking about money. <coughs> oh, man, I'm sick. i got to miss my group this week. <laughs> Don't skip it because it's a tough topic. Right? But here's the big idea. That I will give God my first and my best so he can bless the rest. I will give God my first and my best so that he can bless the rest. Right? And so... And the reason that I want to talk about this today is, again, we have to be careful. We have to be careful that we're not putting rules and regulations where God has not put rules and regulations as followers of Jesus today. In the Old Testament, there were a bunch of laws and commandments and decrees and traditions that the people of Israel kept in order to please God. And then Jesus came, and Jesus is the complete and total fulfillment of, of all of the law, of all of the prophets. Everything has been fulfilled by Jesus. Jesus died for our sins. He's put into a tomb. Three days later, he rises from the dead in victory over sin and death. He ascends to the Father. He sends his Holy Spirit onto those of us who have put our faith in him. We become a new creation. And now as a new creation on this side of the resurrection, are we required to give? No. Required to give. To please God, are we required? No. Should we? Absolutely. 100%, 1,000%, absolutely we should. Because there's still a spiritual principle in every law. Fully fulfilled in Christ. But there's works that Christ is doing in our hearts. And so the idea of giving God my first and my best is what the Bible calls the tithe. The tithe. That's what the Bible calls giving of our first fruits. The first 10%. Whether that's in your sheep. How many of you have got sheep? You're donating your firstborn clean sheep to God. Okay. Whether it's your oil, how many of you have donated your oil to God, your first 10%? Okay. Don't start bringing sheep and oil here. We don't know what to do with it. If you start putting that in the basket, it will get awkward. Okay. Well, that's what they did in the Old Testament times. right? Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. And we still are called as followers of Jesus to give him our first and our best. Because this is what Jesus says. I'm sorry, this is what the Apostle Paul says. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, about our new life as followers of Jesus, he said this, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. You see, when I was in my mid-20s, I was reading this Bible, and I've shared this a dozen times, a hundred times before, and I will share this as many times as I can until I'm dead. 
I was reading this book to disprove the existence of God. I was an atheist, and I thought church was dumb. I thought church was pointless. I thought it was just people trying to manipulate people that weren't very smart, just trying to get their money. And then I read this for myself to disprove the existence. I'm going to be the guy who's finally going to disprove that God is real. And on a commute to work in Montreal, I gave my heart and my life to Jesus. And at that day, that moment, that instant, Kevin Presso died. I was already dead. In my sin and my transgressions, I was already dead. But at that moment, I died. My wants, my desires, my life. I'm dead. And then I was given new life, his life. His purpose, his vision, his plans, his heart. I was bought at a price. Right? I am not my own. I want to live for the things of God, not for the things of man, not for the things of the world anymore. Because God paid a great price to save me. He himself came to earth. He lived as sinful man, and he never sinned. And he was righteous before God, and sinful, horrible humans took him and beat him and and, and arrested him and spit on him and whipped him and nailed him to a cross for my sin. That's a great price God paid. And for that little moment on the cross, Jesus is separated from God the Father, and he cries out, Abba, Father. Why have you forsaken me? And the weight of sin is put on Jesus. That is a great price that God paid out of his love for us. We are not our own. We were bought at a price. So when Jesus says to religious people, he says, you tithe, but your heart's wrong. You give that 10% of your sheep and your goats and your oil and your grain, but there's something wrong in your heart. And that's what we need to do for all of us, myself, you, me, all of us. You're watching online. We have to look at our hearts. Going, How am I doing with this idea of I'm so blessed? What am I doing with it? So I want to look at a bunch of verses talking about the tithe and, and what I believe why we as Christian, Christians today should still be tithing. I want to look, talk about three different ways that we are blessed through tithing. So again, I encourage you to write these three things down, talk about them in your life group this week. And the first thing that we see in Scripture of what the tithe does is tithing provides for God's work throughout his church. Tithing provides for God's work throughout his church. We can read this um, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, where God says through the prophet, says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now, there's a physical truth to that idea. Bring your grain into this storehouse so that there will be food for people to eat. But there's a spiritual component that carries through into the New Testament on this idea. That we as followers of Jesus have been blessed in order to bring blessing into the house of God so that in turn the house of God can be a place to spiritually feed people. Whether it's in our church building or around the world. 
And this work, this promise of God, this is so critical, right? The language of this is critical, right? It says, bring the whole tithe, the first and the best. The first and the best. Bring the first and the best. It doesn't say give. It doesn't say donate. It says bring. Like there's an assumption here that you're just going to do it. Right? It's not, well, if I can this week or if I feel like it or if things balance out or if there's anything left over, then I can donate. When we use the language of donating, donating sounds like, well, you know, eh, if I feel like it, I'll donate it. You know, I donate lots of stuff. If you come into my home, my home is filled with junk. I was going to say a different word. Okay. I got junk all over the place and I'm constantly looking in my junk going, what can I donate? Because boy, someone's going to really need this chair with like three broken legs. Oh, man, I'm such a good Christian when I donate that, (laughs) right? I go through my junk, and I bring that to Sally Ann, or I bring that to Value Village, or I post that on Facebook. Who wants my junk? That's my donation. (laughs) That's not the language the Bible uses. (laughs) It's bring your best, your first. Bring it before God so that that first and that best can be used to bless someone else so that it can be food for someone. The church in Canada, our church, is doing amazing, amazing things through your generous heart. (laughs) And we don't always share all the things that are going on because in reality there's there's too much. There's amazing things going on. Just some of the ministries that we're involved in are incredible. Because of your generous heart, we are helping church planters here in our city. We are helping church planters across our region of Ontario and English-speaking Quebec to see more vibrant and healthy churches to be spread all over the place. And if you think Ottawa doesn't need more churches... We have like 1.3 million people living in this city, and the percentage of Christians, evangelical Christians in this city, is well below Muslim now. Well below. I think Muslim population is 6%. We're sitting around 3. We need more vibrant churches. We need, I'm not even exaggerating, we we probably need about 100 new churches of about 500 people in this city. Now. We need them now. (laughs) Not 20 years from now. Today. Because the harvest is ripe. The harvest is ripe. Just the workers are few. So we give to church planters here in our city so that they can do that hard work of starting new churches. Did you know in our region, so we're part of the Fellowship of Evangelical Baptist Churches of Canada, and in our Feb Central region, they are currently working on 70 church plants to launch in Ontario in the next two years. Do you know what our history used to be like in the fellowship? Ten years ago, we were planting four churches nationally. Four churches nationally ten years. Okay? Four. Now, 70 churches 
just in Ontario, English-speaking churches, Arabic-speaking churches, to reach people who are far from God. That's amazing work, and that's done through your tithe. Do you know we help people out who cannot afford to pay their bills here? We can't talk about that because that's like private. (laughs) And we have it all the time, people who are struggling, people who are hurting, people who need help. And we can pay for that through our benevolence. We can help people with medicine. We can help people with transportation. We're doing amazing things to be the hands and feet of Jesus through your tithe. You know, we have ministries here that are reaching the least of these all across our city. We've got women who are going to places very dark, trying to free women from the sex trade. Incredible work that's going on. We have, through our chaplaincy ministry that we're supporting here, we got a staff person here who is visiting mental health, people who are struggling with mental health who cannot get on a government waiting list. The waiting list for the government for them to get help and care is three years. And we have a staff person who goes there and brings the love of Jesus to them. Just to love them and care for them. And that is done through your generous heart. It's amazing the work that is going on. And the tithe provides that work for God to do amazing things. The problem is when we become less generous, the work begins to stop. It's just the natural thing. And this is not like this new thing. The New Testament describes this all the time. Paul, they collected an offering so that Paul could do his work. The church gave money to the Christians in Jerusalem so that they could do their work. There's this idea that we tithe and then God shows up and does amazing things. And he provides spiritual food for so many people in our church family and through our extended reach in the city and around the world, through missionaries that we support. Our missionaries are doing amazing work. It's incredible. That's done through your generous heart. Tithing provides for God's work, right? I'm going to spend three minutes here doing a little bit of a business meeting (laughs) if you were part of our church last year you would have heard information that we shared with you because we are open and we are transparent with our finances we have nothing to hide nothing to hide always available always accessible last year we hit a fifty six thousand dollar deficit which meant we spent fifty six thousand dollars more than what had received, we have received. Now, we're blessed. We have got a cushion and bank accounts, and, and everything was great, right? Um, and, and we've been doing work as leaders because we take this very seriously, and we need to be good stewards of it. We've already seen an increase in giving from last year, which is amazing. Praise God. Thank you for your generosity. We're already, from this same time last year, we're already $20,000 ahead this year than we were last year, so thank you so much for those of you who give. Um, but we're still in deficit, And we're going to have to make a decision. In a season when the church is growing, we'll have to make a decision of what work do we stop? It's just the way it is, right? So part of the blessed test, I want to show you a graph here. And the purpose of this graph 
is not to guilt and not to shame. It's not the purpose. The purpose of this graph is for you to check your heart. Last year, when we ran our, when we hit that deficit of $56,000, we had 99 giving units. What that means is we issued 99 tax receipts. Except for this doesn't count if you give through Canada Helps. If you give through your credit card, you're not on that. That's people who give here at the church, and we've issued a tax receipt for you. 99 tax receipts we issued out. And then we just kind of broke it up into categories, right? People who gave under $250, 250 to 500 500 to 1000 and so on and so on. Okay? This is, again, thank you for your generosity, regardless of where you are on that chart. Part of the blessed test is to look at that and say, was that my best? Was that my first? Or was that my leftover? And if it was your leftover, let God speak to you. Because God is not interested in our leftovers. You were bought at a price. God wants our best, and he wants our first. And if that is your first, praise God. If that is your best for where you are in life right now, Praise God for that. God wants a generous giver. He doesn't want anyone giving out of guilt and compulsion and manipulation. That's why I'm not doing that. This is so, this is so I can test my heart. Because I know exactly where I am there. Is that my best? Is it my first? Okay, it's my tithe. It's my 10. But I'm working to 20. I'm working to 25. Because I can't stand here at a pulpit and encourage you to follow the teachings of the Bible to be generous if I'm not generous. <laughs> it's the way it kind of works. <laughs> and I think, sadly, that's why we don't talk about money enough in churches. Because I think, sadly, too many church leaders may not be as generous as the Bible calls them to be <laughs> with their time and money. So that's part of our blessed test. <laughs> Again, not about guilt, not about shame, but let God work in your heart on this. Because we are called that I will give God my first and my best so that he can bless the rest. And watch God give spiritual food all over the place through your generous heart. The second thing that tithing, the way tithing blesses us is this. Is tithing teaches me to put God first. Tithing teaches me to put God first. Right? In Deuteronomy chapter 14, Moses tells the people to bring their tithes to the place of worship. And again, he's talking about grain and wine and olive oil and the firstborn male of the flock and the firstborn male of their herds. Right? It's the first and the best that Moses is telling the people to bring. And then it says this in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23. And I love how the, the Living Bible translates this. It says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to put God first in your life. And that verse for me personally was huge. I've shared this last week. I've shared this before. I've spent 30 years of my life addicted to money. That there wasn't enough. There wasn't enough. I never had enough. I was never satisfied with my income. I was pulling in a lot of money as a computer consultant. And trust me, you don't leave computer consulting for ministry for the money. 
there was a significant drop. And that was a tough season of life <laughs> in that drop. I was used to a certain amount. And I had a love for that money, that freedom, that security, that power, that significance that it brings. <laughs> and I needed to be broken of that. And the way God broke me from that mindset was the tithe. To learn to put God first. That I'm going to live a life that puts God first. And I started that as a computer consultant. I was flying all over the world and, and, and going doing all these different contracts. It's like no matter where I was in the world while I was working, I made sure I was visiting a local church, that I would worship God, and I made sure that I was giving. I wasn't at the 10% then, but I was on a journey. God, get me there. God, get me there. God, get me there. It probably started about 0.00001. If I was really honest, that's probably where it started. I didn't do the math back then. And I was like, okay, God, let's move the decimal point a little bit. <laughs> let's move the decimal point a little bit, right? And trust God with this. Because I want to be more blessed by God. <laughs> and I know that sounds like selfish in our Canadian context, but it's, it's not about showing off. It's about, no, I want God to use my best. I want him to use my first fruits for his glory, for his fame, and for him to do amazing work. Because right, Jesus said these words. He said, seek first God's kingdom, and then everything else will be given to you. Seek first God's kingdom, then these things will be given to you. We flip it in our culture today. It's we get everything we want, and then if there's leftovers, we'll give to God. And God's ways are completely the opposite. Is give to God first so that he can bless what's remaining. I had an amazing conversation with my kids recently because both of my kids are teenagers and they both got their first job this summer. And we sat, I sat my two kids down and I taught them the tithe. And they're looking at me like, and you can see this twitch starting to form, like their, their, their human sinful nature started to kick in, right? And like, wait, wait, wait a minute, like 10%. And like, you know, they're good in math. They know what 10% is. Like, well, Dad, like, then that means I'm going to have to, like, organize what I want around that 10%. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Guess what? I organize my life around that 10%. <laughs> I or Sometimes to be generous in order to see, to put God first, I actually have to structure my life around putting God first. I know that's, that's crazy talk, isn't it? It's absolutely insane. It's ludicrous. Who in their right mind does that? Um, followers of Jesus do. <laughs> they put God first. They give God their best. <laughs> and we let him bless the rest, right? And so it was really hilarious. Then I got to the point, and, then, and, I, and I could see my kids. They were trying to figure this out. And, I could, and I, this is what we do, right, as human beings. We're trying to find the out, <laughs> We try to find the out. There's got to be a way out. And so my kid, I won't say which one it was, but it was one of them, okay? The older one. <laughs> the boy. <laughs> I have a boy and a girl. <laughs> and he's in Toronto. I have no permission. This story, he's getting 50 bucks for this story. <laughs> and he looked at me and he goes, Dad, but, but Dad, you work in a church. You live off the tithe. You don't have to give. We're out. We're exempt. 
We're the pastor's family. I'm the PK. We're ex- yes, praise be the Lord Almighty. Okay, he didn't quite do it like that, but I could see that's what's going on in his head. And I said, no, I tithe. He's like, why? I said, because, yeah, you're right. I get, I earn my living through the tithe, absolutely. But you know what? I tithe so that I can pay another staff person. I tithe so that we can put on the best youth program here possible so that my kids will know Jesus. I tithe so that we can do a Sunday morning that young people want to go to. Because I don't want to pastor a church that young people don't want to come to. I have no intention of pastoring a church and just kind of doing a 20-year funeral to watch it die. Not interested. Not, I have other pastor friends, that's what they do. Not interested. I will change this sucker every Sunday to keep the young people here. And again, I better get an amen from that. Because if you want to be part of a church that's dying, don't give. Because I've actually gone to churches. I have visited churches, and I'm no word of a lie, where I saw someone take out their tithe check, and they were holding it in their hand, and then the sermon went, and then they played the song, and I heard him. I was sitting right behind him. He goes, ah, that song. And he put it back in his pocket. That's the blessed test. How's your heart? Right? Tithing will teach me to put God first. God first. His kingdom first. Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And God, give me today my daily bread. That's how he taught us to pray. I'm going to give you, God, my first for your will to be done. Now I'm going to trust you to provide. Right? And then the final thing that I believe tithing does is tithing increases my faith in God. Right? If if, if our generosity is all about what's left over, ultimately our faith is not in God. It's in ourselves. If generosity is leftovers, we are taking care of ourselves. We are. We're taking care of our security, our freedom, our prestige, our power, our significance. We're doing those things ourselves when generosity becomes an afterthought or last. But by putting God first, we have to trust him with the rest. It increases our faith, right? In Malachi, again, chapter 3, it says this, and this verse is so misquoted when it comes to money. Now, I'm going to try to hopefully clear some of the things on this verse. Where God says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. Now, there's a movement in Christian circles called prosperity that says, if you give your 10%, the Lord is going to provide for you. I always, whenever I make fun of Christians, I go Southern for some reason. I don't know why, but that's the message. You give that 10%, if you just pay for my private jet, the Lord is going to bless you. Okay? And you're going to get more blessing, more money. If you give that 10%, and we're all sitting there going, we give the 10% going, I'm not getting any more money. When Danielle lost her job and I still tithe, I'm not getting any more money. <laughs> when my basement flooded, when I had to pay an electrician $8,000 and the quote was two, I didn't get any more money. <laughs> but boy, it built my faith. <laughs> we do this thing, and we're, we're a little bit off track with it, but we're going to get back on it. One of the things Danielle and I do is when it comes to our groceries, we pay cash. And Danielle, every week, takes out $160 in cash. And she sticks it in an envelope. And she goes out, and she has a cup of coffee, and she goes through all the flyers and finds all the, everything that's on sale. 
does all the price, has her price matching app on her phone and figures it all out. And every single week when Danielle prays and gives that to God, she's not doing the math. She's just putting in the food that we need as a family. She walks up to that thing. They tally it all up. 159.78. And I'm not even kidding. It's to the nickel. And that's God. And she goes, isn't the Lord good? And I go, I don't understand how the math is working. Okay? <laughs> but it causes me to put my faith in God, not in me controlling it, not in me having a balance sheet that's perfectly aligned. How do I trust God in this? And when God says, test me in this, this is not a give God the money and let's put God to the test because God actually says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. What God is saying, no, 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 I'm testing you. I'm testing you. He's actually, this is a verse that's talking to the priests, the Levites, who were not living generous lives. They were not living the way God called them to. And they're going, God, why aren't you blessing? God, why aren't you blessing? And God's going, you're not obedient to me. So why would I bless you? Test me. If you're actually obedient, then you will receive blessing. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. And we expect that Jesus is going to bless us, but we don't obey him. That verse is not a prosperity verse about getting more money. It's an obedience verse. (laughs) We need to be put to the test. Are we going to be obedient? Are we going to be obedient? Because, again, the first question we started off with, are you blessed? Raise your hand. Are you blessed? Are you blessed? Do you want to be more blessed? (laughs) It starts with a heart of generosity, and the tithe, I believe, is a way to help us do that, to break free of the love of money. Because you and I have been so blessed, and we give first. We give our best. It requires faith. It requires stretching ourselves. It requires trust. But we get to see the blessing of what God does. And maybe we won't even see it here on this earth, but we will see it when we enter into the, the kingdom of heaven. And we hear of the people who've come to Christ and the marriages that were restored and the people who were freed from sex trade, people who were freed from pornography, people who were the least of these, who nobody loved them, and the church loves them <laughs> through the generosity of their people. There's going to be a party in heaven <laughs> because we've been so blessed, Right? We give first because God gave first, right? In Romans chapter five, verse eight, God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God gave first. God gave his best. He gave his son so that we could know him. So we as Christians, we are called to give our best and give our first. And so the application this week is go to your life groups this week. And if you're not in a life group, download the church app. There's a big button that says join a life group. And your one application for this sermon this week is go to a life group this week and say, I need someone to pray for me. Because <laughs> here's where my heart is. We can't always be open and transparent on Sunday morning. There's too many of us. <laughs> but you can do it in that small group of people. Saying, I need to take the blessed test. I'm not giving God my first or I'm not giving God my best. Would you pray for me? 
so that I can trust God to do more than I could ask or imagine. Let's pray together.